0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. at that but let's look at Acts chapter 24 and verse 24 starting the Bible states these words and after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla which was a Jewess he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ and as he reasoned of righteousness temperance and judgment to come Felix trembled and answered go thy way for this time When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. For a little while this morning, I want to preach this, and it may take me a while to get there, but I'll get there. I want to preach quiet desperation. Quiet desperation desperation today can we go to the Lord in prayer one more time that the Lord would have his way father God I come to you right now I need Jesus your help Lord in this service in the ministry of the word of the Lord God I pray Lord let every mind and every heart Lord be geared towards you right now that they would receive what the word would have to say help me oh God mark every bit of error Lord from my mind and my lips help me Jesus to relay this in such a way someone could understand or grab a hold of I pray Jesus today God find God perhaps where someone may be this morning. Help them, encourage them, Lord Jesus. This be a rallying cry, Lord, for them this morning. God, we'll thank you and praise you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord another great hand clap of praise before we're seated? Hallelujah, God, we love you. Great is our God. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, quiet desperation quiet desperation typically this morning whenever a minister takes this passage of acts 24 in the verses that i read to you typically he preacher centered the story around the character of felix and his response to paul of when he said when i have a convenient season I will call for you. They oftentimes capitalize on the fact that Felix trembled at the message that Paul shared with him concerning the faith in Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul's message that day had three primary points that we read of in Scripture. Number one was righteousness. Number two is that he underscored temperance or self-control, if you will. Thirdly, he looked at judgment that was to come. And the Bible says of hearing of these three points that Paul preached of concerning faith in Christ, that Felix trembled, in other words, he became terrified, he was shook he shook in his spirit, he was moved by the message that he heard, and this is quite a telling story of the impact of the gospel, the impact that the message had upon Felix because from my understanding Felix being a Roman they prided themselves in their ability to not show their emotions not show their expressions under any and all circumstances and so for Felix to actually tremble and be impacted and affected by the message is quite a telling fact because he was a Roman and what he heard and what he he digested that day the information that was given to him impacted him enough To move and to tremble He could not hold it If I could say He couldn't hold it all together that day Couldn't hold his composure Not that day And not certainly now As Paul was preaching to him And although he was moved The scripture says He was not moved to the degree Of the Philippian jailer That we read of in Acts 16 Who when there was a jailbreak Around the midnight hour That uh, included Paul and Silas Fearing that all the prisoners were gone the Bible says that that Philippian jailer was trembling as well and he came to Paul and Silas though with a question on his lips asking sirs what must I do to be saved his trembling caused him to ask what he must do about his life Felix's trembling seems not to have done that type of outcome for him. No, rather he reacted in a way that he was not reacting positively to what he heard and to what he felt. Whenever he trembled under what he heard, the Bible says that he dismissed Paul until a convenient season in the future. If I may say he delayed, he postponed something that could have taken place in an instant. For another time, another season, and another day. Now that's usually what we'll preach from Acts 24 in the verses I read to you. So you're getting a sermon within a sermon. Amen. That's usually what we would preach. And that was the response of Felix. But folks, I come to look to the eyes of another individual in the story today. What about the other individual in the story? What about Drusilla? What about Felix's wife? The scripture does not record what her reaction was. It does not say that she trembled or that she did not tremble. As a matter of fact, most people when they read the story here just see Drusilla standing in the shadows of this story, kind of in the background, not a major player in the story. But I, I submit to you this morning, I believe it is Drusilla. It is her, that she is the reason for the meeting That's being done right now with the Apostle Paul. For one, her husband Felix just a few days prior to this meeting has already had audience with Paul, has already spoken with Paul a few days earlier. Secondly, the scripture states in verse number 24, if you'll look at it, the Bible states it as this in the word of God. When Felix came with Drusilla, his wife, rather than when Drusilla came with her husband Felix meaning as though it was Drusilla that was wanting the meeting it was Drusilla that wanted the time frame of hearing to Paul in listening to Paul. Now, Scripture says that Felix called for Paul and he sent for Paul. Well, he's the governor. That's his responsibility. If anybody's going to get him out to talk to, Felix would have to be the one. But the Bible says that he went with his wife, Drusilla, meaning as though it must have been her that wanted this meeting and this occasion to talk, amen, to the man of God or rather listen to the man of God. Now, I got to do a little groundwork here today. Drusilla was... Herod Agrippa, the first youngest daughter. You read throughout the New Testament scripture, you'll read many times of this person, Herod, but all the Herods that you read of are not the same Herod, all right? Uh, There are several Herods mentioned in the word of God. She was the youngest daughter of Herod Agrippa I. She comes from a long line of Herods. Again, Herod wasn't a personal name. Herod was a family name. Herod was a surname. So whenever you read of Herod in Matthew, it may not be the same Herod in Acts, all right? Uh, They're just a long, big family of Herods, but Drusilla was a part of that family and a part of that heritage. And something that was, that was not uncommon to her family is that her family was very interested in and intrigued by the apostles' faith. They liked to listen to and they liked to ask questions concerning the apostles' faith. For that matter, Drusilla, the Bible says, was a Jewess. And the Bible gives us the impression that these long line of Herods always like to ask questions and be inquisitive about these persons that were connected to. The, faith. the Bible records for us in the Gospels that there was one particular Herod that observed the man that we know as John the Baptist. And he observed John the Baptist. And the Bible says when this Herod heard John the Baptist, he did many things and he heard him gladly. He liked to listen to John. He liked to hear the preaching, we might say, of John and the messages of John. Luke also spoke of a Herod. The Bible said that that desired to see Jesus Christ. He was interested in this man that was going around doing miracles and wonders, teaching in the synagogues, walking on water, all these fabulous things he desired, a herod did, desired to see Jesus Christ. And the Bible even says when he saw Jesus Christ, that he was exceedingly glad when he saw Jesus and even hoped that he might see some miracle. That Jesus would do. And so they're very interested in everything that concerns the faith. They're interested in the miracles. They're interested in the signs and the waters and the messages that these individuals bore. Whether it was John the Baptist, whether it was Jesus Christ, or like now, whether it was the Apostle Paul. The Herodians or the Herod family took interest in those of the faith. And folks, this serves to reason. And I, this is a long story to make a point today, all right? But this serves to reason because when we look a little further into the genealogy of this Drusilla, amen, Drusilla was of the Herod family and the Herods were Edumians. That don't mean much to you right now. But Edumians were from the stock of Edom, the stock of Esau. Anybody ever heard of Jacob and Esau? Drusilla's family tree goes all back way back to Esau, that twin brother, amen, to Jacob, that wrestled with him in the womb of their mother, Rebekah. It is Esau who struggled with his brother there. That's Drusilla's heritage. Her heritage is the life and the line of Esau. Her her legacy is the life and the line of Esau. God, when those twin boys of Jacob and Esau was in the womb of Rebekah, spoke to us in Genesis 25, and he told Rebekah. Rebekah wasn't understanding what was going on. on inside of her womb sister say she didn't know what was taking place and God said two nations are in thy womb he said two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and you could not get two boys any different from Jacob and Esau the Bible says that Esau was a man of the field, but Jacob was a dweller of tents. Esau was the firstborn, which means he had the birthright, which meant he got a double portion of his father's inheritance when it was all said and done. I mean he had certain perks and certain privileges, he had the birthright, and as a result of having the birthright, everybody say opportunity. He had a great opportunity that was given to him in his life by being firstborn and having the birthright. But the Bible says on a certain day, as Esau has been gone, amen, here comes Jacob, he's cooking some, some pottage there, Esau's coming in, he's very famished, and he is willing at this moment in his time to take this birthright, this great opportunity that he has, amen, that will give him perks and privileges and to sell it, amen, for a bowl of pottage, as it were. It was in that moment, Brother Terry, that Esau decided and he despised his birthright. If I might say he despised his opportunity because he could not picture what good does this birthright do me in this present moment. He even said, what shall this birthright profit do to me in this moment so he degrades it he doesn't seem to look at it as anything honorable of anything of great worth he had a great opportunity but he passed it by and so as Drusilla is standing there that day and the apostle Paul is preaching about righteousness and temperance and the judgment to come what she is witnessing through the words of Felix is all too familiar to Drusilla and her legacy and her ancestry that started all the way back with Esau, a man who likewise forfeited a great opportunity that he had in his own life. This had been Drusilla's history. Folks, and I want to prove by scripture, her history has been a family line of people in her family that constantly missed opportunities, not because there were none, but because they did not take advantage of them when they were there. This was her legacy. This was her history. The Bible says in Isaiah 21 and verse 11, it says the burden of Duma, which is the burden of her people. The burden of the people that she was from. He says, he calleth to me out of seer. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman said, the morning cometh and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye and return and come. The burden of Duma, the burden of her people was this is that they made a call to the watchman. Now the watchman is on the wall of the city. He has a better advantage of his surroundings than anybody else. Better perspective. He knows when an approaching war is coming. He knows when an approaching storm is coming because of where he's positioned. He knows when all these things will shake down. He knows the passing segments of the night because he sees whenever the sun breaks the horizon and he sees whenever it's going to fall back on the horizon. And so the watchman is positioned there in a place. He knows things better than anyone else. And so the burden of of drusilla's people was this they called to the watchman night evidently is upon them and they say watchman what of the night in other words how long is night going to last is this about over When is the darkness going to flee? I know, Watchman, you have a better perspective than anybody has, and you can see what we cannot see. Tell us what of the night. Tell us when will the sun shine again? Is this it? Are we entering into the eternal night, Watchman? Is there still another hope for tomorrow? Is there still another chance for another day? And they're just asking him, when is night gonna be over? Is it gonna be possible that the day is going? to break again. you got to understand these words coming from a people whose great, 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 great how many greats back? Granddad Esau. Amen. Estranged them from some privileges. Kept them from some benefits due to a poor decision made during a very opportune time. The watchman's call back to the burden of Duma or Drusilla's people was this. He says, let me tell you something. He says, morning is dawning. Morning is coming, but at the same time, he says, Morning is coming. He says, Night is coming as well. In other words, morning's going to dawn, but it's going to be swallowed up again by the night. And that's all these people of Duma, all these people that were part of Drusilla's family needed, because as long as they had the assurance of a day between the two nights, they could continue to procrastinate, continue to put off what needed to. Be done as long as they always had another opportunity, there was no need for them to act now. The reason why they asked if night, what of the night, if we knew day was going to come again, then there's no need for us to react right now. There's no need for us to make a choice, no need for us to make a decision, no need for us to be involved because we always got another opportunity. Someone say, Amen. There was, I suppose, as the story is told, a little bit of a meeting down in hell. The devil wanted to come up with some type of new strategy that he could use upon the earth against humanity and all the imps are scratching their heads they're brainstorming for some new strategies and one imp came to the devil and says I tell you what I'll go to the earth and I'll tell them there is no God the devil said no we can't do that there's already too many people that believe in a God they know that there's a higher power beyond themselves that won't work the second imp came and told the devil he says I got it I know what we can do I'll go to the earth and I'll tell them that there is no hell and that there is no heaven he said no too many people already believe in some type of afterlife Whatever it may be that will not work that will not be the strategy that we need the third M kind finally came to the devil says I tell you what we'll do I got the idea he says I'll go to the earth and I'll tell humanity that there is a God and that there is a heaven and that there is a hell but there is no hurry to make a decision for either one The burden of Drusilla's people, the burden of Duma all the way back to Esau was having opportunities presented to them and never acting upon them, always waiting for tomorrow, always waiting for the next day, always waiting for the next opportunity that was coming on the horizon. Amen. You know what was going on? Amen. There he was playing, the enemy of the soul was playing to the plight of the burden of the people of Duma. They're always just lingering for another chance there will always be just another time the sun will rise again this night will not last forever and it's, it's right there in the words of the watchman and his response back to them he says inquire if you must inquire in other words ask if you must ask and if you need to ask again come back tomorrow night and ask again about whether or not the night's going to end and the sun's going to shine tomorrow amen you do that you go on and come and you go on and ask me why he knew the burden of that people they're always wanting to know if I don't take the opportunity now will there still yet be that opportunity tomorrow someone say amen Amen. but with that understanding in the shadows of our story stands Dersil with that background with that heritage with a people that she'd grown up a long line from that have let opportunities pass by, especially if they thought they had hopes of another in the future. Drusilla's name means do. It could also be used for other liquids. As we know concerning liquids, liquids are easily impressed. In other words, they take the form of whatever they're poured into. Pour a liquid into a round container and it will assume the roundness pour it into a square container and it will assume the squareness of the container. They're easily impressed. Her name means anything tender. Amen. It means the delicate stuff that just showed up. Her name here in Acts is her character as often found in the scriptures. They didn't just name their babies. Their name was their character. So here's a woman that I believe that is tender. Here's a woman that I believe that is easily impressed. Amen. She's delicate. She's assuming to her environment and the message is being preached that day and her heart is being pricked. The message is being preached that day and Paul's talking about a judgment to come and something's grabbing a hold of her spirit. She's being impacted by all of that. And she understood when Paul preached about righteousness, right living, she knew and she knew her husband that they both had failed in that regard. They both Both had not been righteous like they need to be righteous. That whenever he preached about temperance and self-control, she knew, and she knew that her husband as well, both had failed in that regard. But finally, the third point Paul comes to while he is preaching is a judgment to come. If I may, Paul is preaching to them, and he's telling them of a time when there'll be no second chances. He's telling them of a time when there's no opportunities for a do-over. That's not allowed. He's telling them of a time when the night is not going to live and the morning is not going to shine on the people. And while he's preaching that aspect of his sermon, Felix is trembling over here. And no doubt Drusilla sees the impact that has on her husband that usually did not show any emotion, usually did not show any feelings. And she sees him deeply moved. And I believe that Drusilla is impressed by the words of Paul she's tender she's like dew she's like a liquid she's easily assuming to her environment and I think she's thinking in her heart over there in the corner man I I would love to break the cycle of my family tree I would love to break the cycle of my genealogy where everybody in my family has just missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity but the plight the plight of Drusilla is that she lived during a culture and during a time when women were supposed to be quiet, a cultural time when they were admonished to silence, when she was hushed to obscurity. And I see a woman that would really like to say something about now over in the corners about what the preacher was saying. But because of the culture of her time, she was nothing more but in quiet desperation. She didn't walk. Didn't want to walk the same path as he saw. Didn't want to walk the same path of always approaching the watchman the next day, asking, Is there going to be another day? Is there going to be another opportunity? Is there going to be another time whenever I can make this right? I see a woman sitting over in the background, amen, rejecting, amen, rejecting what her husband had to say, amen, because while her husband is rejecting this time with the man of God, rejecting this opportunity or if at best, putting off this opportunity. I see her reflecting on a lifetime of her people and her family that have done just the same. Someone say amen. Oh, yes, they have. I'm telling you, this is not just a one generation, skip a generation thing. This was an epidemic in Drusilla's family. Her great-grandfather, Herod, could have been among the wise men when jesus was born listen to me and could have been among them and kneeled down and offered gifts beside them to that king jesus in bethlehem but instead her great grandfather is the one that attempted to kill the baby jesus her great uncle herod could have been baptized by john the baptist He could have accepted the sermon on repentance and remission of sins. But instead, he had that opportunity afforded to him, brother Fred, but instead, he had a legacy of a heritage. I'm gonna take this opportunity. I'm gonna push it aside. There'll always be a tomorrow. And instead of being baptized by John, He imprisons John the Baptist and eventually has his head brought to him on a charger. He killed John the Baptist. He mocked Jesus Christ, the one Jesus who came to save the people From their sins, what an opportunity. This Herod mocked, and he should have marveled and taken advantage of what was before him. Drusilla's father could have taken the teaching of the pastor, the first pastor of the Jerusalem church, by the name of James. He could have discovered a new way of life through the preachings that James had. But instead, in Acts 12, we read about Drusilla's father. He killed the apostle James, opportunity, opportunity. With John the Baptist, with Jesus, with James, all the way back to Esau, opportunity. But is there gonna be another one? Okay, I'll let this one pass me by. Oh, you say, this is John the Baptist. He's the forerunner to Jesus. That'll be our next opportunity. See, always looking, not for the now, but for someday in the future. That was the people that Drusilla was a part of. Brother McGee, I thought you said they liked to hear about the faith in Christ. They did. They love to hear about the faith in Christ. Since Esau up, they love to hear about the things of God. They love to see those opportunities go, come, and sadly they love to see them go as well. They discovered all these things They just allowed them to slip through their hand as sand. And now the apostle tells Drusilla and her husband, Drusilla, there's going to be a day of no more chances. There's going to be a day of no more opportunities. Hallelujah. I don't know what happened. She may have, folks, the reason for this meeting and the reason why her husband came with her to this meeting, she may have convinced him in private to have this meeting. But whenever they were in the meeting, she had no control over the results. She had no control over whenever it would end. That was up to her husband. And imagine with me for a moment, while Felix is saying, Go thy way to Paul. Listen to me. As Felix is standing there trembling and not wanting to give in to what he was feeling. And he's telling Paul, Go thy way for this time. Over here in quiet desperation. Is a woman that sees through the actions of Felix, her family of all the years time pass, and she's saying while he's saying go away, there's something crying out in me that's saying I wish he would just stay a little longer. I wish he'd talk to me about righteousness some more. I wish he'd talk me about temperance. Tell me about this day when there's no more opportunity tell me about this day when there are no more chances tell me about it Paul just one more time she may have been thinking in her spirit I can't allow this to pass me by I can't allow this to pass me by but your culture Drusilla has sworn you to silence and she's just writhing over there in desperation her heart is probably down in her shoes around her ankles because she's thinking in her mind as she's seen through generations of her lifetime This could be my last chance. This could be my final opportunity. There may not be another sun shining tomorrow. what I'm trying to tell this group of believers here today, Amen, folks if your practice has been constantly asking the watchman what of the night, do I have another chance tomorrow, can I get by today and not involve myself, not react, not listen, just avoid it and come next week and perhaps everything will be dandy and I'll do what needs to be done then, if you'll just give me a little bit more time, I don't want to allow this burden to get on me that I have to act now, i just put it off for another day perhaps tomorrow you know my grandparents great grandparents uh, they just kind of take the day as the day came Uh, well it's no it's not necessary to act upon it now I feel in my spirit today there may be some setting under the sound of my voice that you're nothing more but another Drusilla that's setting in the quietness of your desperation and in your lifetime and in your family and your heritage and your family tree you look back at them and you say I've seen when they missed it I've seen when they just 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 shrugged off the responsibility and the opportunity of knowing God having a relationship with God and they always said there's another day there's going to be the sun shining tomorrow but now here I am with this great opportunity before me the preacher is preaching about righteousness he's preaching about temperance he's preaching about a day when there'll be no second chances because folks if I could change the message right now There is a day coming. There's a week coming when there won't be a Sunday morning service here at 10. There's a day coming when Wednesday night Bible study won't happen at 7. Why? Because it's going to be the end of the church on this world. It's going to be a day coming you won't be able to hear me say The altars are open. Don't get caught by the burden of Duma. Don't let that become your burden. Don't allow this service or any service for that matter. Become a missed opportunity in your logbook. Don't allow any of them just to be another one that I can get through. There'll be always another one coming. There's no reason, can I say today, we live in a different culture and a different time. There is no reason for you to suffer like Drusilla suffered in her quietness and in her silence. If you're in quiet desperation this morning, all you need to do is open your mouth. All you need to do is cry to God. All you need to do is lift your voice. He'll hear you. Don't. Pause don't delay. Somebody hear me today. You need not get complacent right now. You need to cry out to God. Let your voice be heard. I'm not gonna allow their story to be my story. I'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity that's afforded me. Don't be banking on the concept, there's another time. Be delicate as a Drusilla. Be tender. Be easily impressed, if you will, by the Spirit of the Lord. Come to the Lord. David said, Psalms 86 and 7. He said, In the day of my trouble, he says, I will call. Upon thee, making reference to God. I'll call upon thee. For thou wilt answer me. But what we times do, we have all of our trouble with us. And we're in the silence and quietness of the desperation that life has served us. And there's no crying going for. There's no, there's no request for help. I don't know why we do this I don't know if life in some instances has jaded our view of God because we've cried to people or family members and they've let us down. You hear me today? We've opened ourselves and exposed our hearts of desperation to people of our own kind, other humanities, other humans, and they've disappointed us. And sometimes I think the relationships that we have with other people, some that are bad and some that are excellently good among humanity. But those that are bad sometimes I think we use as a lens that we look at God through. And we're like, I can't cry out to him. What if he disappoints me? I can't cry out to him. What if he lets me down? And so we sit quiet in our desperation with the greatest of opportunities extended to us by allowing it to pass by because we're afraid. Of the unknown. But David gave me the assurance. He wasn't questioning that. He was stating that emphatically. He says when I cry to the Lord. In my trouble. He will answer. Me. So. You need to find the courage. You need to find the tenacity. Whatever it is that's hurting you. Whatever it is that's bombarding your mind. Don't keep that in your circle of quietness. You need to open that up to God. You will not be disappointed. You will not. Be let down with every other individual that's let you down. You have found someone finally, and I say this with confidence today. You found somebody finally that you can open up to, and your life doesn't have to be the same life that's been written prior to you. Missed opportunity after missed opportunity, missed chance after missed chance. You have the greatest opportunity right here before you today, and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about God. You have the greatest opportunity right before. Yes, you do. I like First Chronicles twenty eight and verse nine. David, David, that said that in Psalms. David's speaking to a Solomon, to his son Solomon. He's, he's trying to pass this understanding on to another generation. All right, and, lest it be lost, lest there's some generational gap that takes place and people come to a place believing that God doesn't hear, or God doesn't answer, or God won't be there. He tells Solomon mainly the second half of this verse, he says, for the Lord searcheth all hearts, he tells his son, and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts. God even knows your thoughts. He says, if thou seek him, Solomon, he will be found of thee. In other words, if you seek for the Lord, you'll find the Lord. But you got to take that opportunity. You got to take, that rising of the day that's happening in your life and take advantage of that. Drusilla, you don't have to suffer in silence. The Bible tells us over and over again, seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Ask and ye shall uh-huh. folks, listen, listen to me. No, I won't hold you much longer. The chicken's on the plate back there breaded at that listen let me tell you listen to me I know this is going to be so profound let me tell you what your greatest enemy is in this life beyond the devil and all those other things that trouble us daily the biggest enemy in your life is tomorrow what's that because it provides another chance another another day the biggest enemy in your life is tomorrow Because if you knew there was no existence of tomorrow, what would you do today that you were saving for tomorrow? Would you be quiet in your desperation? If there was no tomorrow. Because tomorrow may be a day too. Felix says go the way Paul the convenient season I'll call for you yet the Bible tells us and perhaps Drusilla is lingering she's a Jewess she's familiar with some of these things 2nd Corinthians 6 and 2 the very last phrase it says behold everybody say now now's the accepted time behold now everybody say now now is the day of salvation if you can stand with me this morning In Acts 24 and verse 26, it tells us that Felix, Drusilla's husband, he sent for Paul, the Bible says, for him the oftener. That's great English, but he said for him the oftener, (laughs) the more often. And he communed with him. And his reason for doing so was because he thought that maybe somebody eventually will give him some bribe, bribe money in order to release Paul. He was in it for the money. If I keep him long enough, somebody will pay whatever. They'll pay, man, big dollars to get Paul out. But that never happened. However, there's nothing said in the Scripture beyond what we read to you. There's nothing said in there that Drusilla was ever a part of any more of those meetings, that she was ever in that presence again to hear any other words of Paul. In general, what I'm saying is that one meeting that according to Scripture, she may very well asked her husband that they would have that very one meeting may have very well been her one and only meeting. And historians tell us this. We don't know nothing else about Drusilla. She's just kind of a... She is, in many cases, in the shadows, but I wanted to pull her out of there today. Historians tell us that Drusilla died 21 years later the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. And as far as we know... I may say it like this, she died with the burden of her people. That is a lifetime with many opportunities but having missed every single one of them because they were acted upon or taken advantage of. So this morning we're here for somebody to break the silence their desperation this morning there's no need for you to leave today or you go back there and eat chicken green beans and mashed potatoes and go home and say not today preacher not today I've talked to the watchman and there's going to be a tomorrow not today maybe next week you know there's just too many things going on I've heard this so many times folks there's just so much going on right now whenever things calm down I'll talk to God when things calm down. I'll get to church and I'll make right what needs to be right. You know what folks? The reality of life is this. It may end while things are still chaotic in your life. It may not be a tomorrow. There'll be two kinds of people here today. There'll be the felixes that just adamantly say another time, but there'll be some leaving here in the quietness of your desperation That says, I wish I'd have said something. I wish I'd went to that altar. I wish I'd prayed. I wish I'd cried out to God. Don't allow that to be your story when you leave here today. Leave, break the curse of your ancestry. Break the curse of your family. There's a great opportunity here this morning. Take advantage of it. If we can bow our heads in this place, Brother Terry, I don't know if you can help me today.